The head of CECC, Health Minister Chen Shizhong, has tested positive for COVID. The CECC made the announcement at noon on Sunday. The minister woke up with what he suspected as COVID symptoms and proceeded to take a rapid test. After a telemedicine consultation, he was confirmed to have COVID and is now being cared for by his family at home. Currently, he is reported as being in good health. CECC Deputy Head Chen Zongyan will stand in for Chen Shizhong in his boss's absence. Chen Shizhong will also stay abreast of his CECC work via phone and video hookups. Other CECC officials, including Zhou Zhihao, Philip Lowe, Zhuang Renxiang and Victor Wang, all have taken rapid tests and so far have all tested negative. Starting on Wednesday, quarantine measures for international arrivals will be relaxed, the CECC says. The current seven days of quarantine will be reduced to just three days, followed by four days of self-health management. Doctors are divided. Some say it's a move in the right direction, as the new sub-variants of Omicron don't pose much of a threat. But others say relaxing quarantine measures will result in exhausting the nation's medical resources, as there'll be more travelers falling ill from COVID and infecting the locals. The CECC announced that starting June 15th, the current policy of seven days of quarantine and seven days of self-health management will be eased to become three days of quarantine and four days of self-health management. The announcement shows that Taiwan is trying to keep pace with the rest of the world by gradually opening up its borders. Even with very strict border controls, new variants will still enter Taiwan within a few months, and the symptoms caused by these variants are relatively mild. So we'll need to weigh our options comparing foreign and domestic incidences. In the future, international arrivals still need to have a negative nucleic acid test result within two days of boarding, as well as get a PCR test upon arrival in Taiwan. After that, it'll be three days of home quarantine and then four days of self-health management, during which if people need to leave home, they will have to present a negative rapid test result from within the past two days. I think this is an appropriate measure. We'll have to wait and see what impact the subvariants BA4 and BA5 will bring. If it's acceptable, then I think we can gradually move toward being quarantine-free and just have seven days of self-health management. If we don't resolve the problem of unreported confirmed cases, easing restrictions will be risky. The first concern is whether international arrivals will become ill in Taiwan, which will further tap into Taiwan's medical resources. While doctors don't see eye to eye about the new measure, the news is giving the tourism industry hope. But there will be a risk of more outbreaks. I can feel there's some excitement in the entire travel sector. But I'm also hearing consumers saying that they hope the virus will not be brought to Taiwan from abroad. Easing border controls while controlling the spread of the pandemic is becoming a high priority for the government. As China's military provocations against Taiwan continue, more and more international figures are speaking out. They now include former U.S. Secretary of State Hillary Clinton and Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky. In a recent interview with a French media outlet, Clinton pointed out that China posed a military threat. 
Meanwhile, at a top security summit in Singapore, Zelensky stressed the importance of diplomacy so that smaller countries need not be at the mercy of a stronger one. Two F-16 fighter jets approach a Hualien air base preparing to land. Behind them are four more. The six F-16 A and B fighter jets had been deployed by Taiwan at Luke Air Force Base in the US for maintenance, but have just returned to Taiwan. They are now about to undergo a further upgrade. They can effectively use AESA phased array antennae as a replacement for their existing mechanical radar. They can detect and lock into stealth fighter jets with even more precision. They can also effectively detect airborne targets. Taiwan is continuing to strengthen its combat power, using various means to deal with the Chinese threat. Former U.S. Secretary of State Hillary Clinton recently told a French media outlet that compared with China, Russia is only a short-term threat. Beijing's economic influence is continuing to expand, she says, and it is also strategically expanding its military bases in both Africa and the South China Sea. This reveals China poses a military threat as well as an economic one. Not only was she a secretary of state from the Obama era, but she also ran for U.S. president. She belongs to the Democratic Party, just like current U.S. President Joe Biden. So her views are representative of those of President Biden and the current U.S. administration. So we see that independent of each other, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo from the Trump era and former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton from the Obama era sharing a common view that China is a threat. This means resisting China to protect Taiwan has already become a mainstream global consensus. In addition to Clinton, Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky, whose nation is being invaded by Russia, also delivered an address at the Shangri-La Dialogue, a security summit held in Singapore, where he expressed his views on Taiwan for the first time. He needs a diplomatic resolution to support countries that are in need of help. We must not uh, leave them behind at the mercy of another country which is more powerful uh, in financial terms, in territorial terms, and in terms of equipment. The so-called more powerful country Zelensky was referring to was China, and the country in need of help was Taiwan. Giving his own situation as an example, Zelensky expressed hope that the international community would lend its support so that Taiwan does not become another Ukraine. With tourism and travel restrictions loosened in the Philippines, the Philippines Department of Tourism has launched a food tourism campaign featuring two mobile food trucks. The vehicles are making the rounds in Taipei until June 21st, offering free meals such as pork adobo and pork sisig. Our reporter Stephanie Yang sat down with Philippines officials to find out more. Two mobile food trucks will travel Taiwan from June 8th to 21st. If you check in on Facebook, you'll be able to get free drinks and meals. Snap a photo of yourself with a food truck, check in on Facebook, and use the hashtags It's More Fun in the Philippines, Philippines Food, and Philippines Drink. Show it to a worker, and you can receive a free meal and drink. Of 1,400 meals, um, a choice of sisig or adobo. During the weekdays, other days, maybe we'll be serving around 70 uh, packs of meals and drinks unlimited. So you can enjoy, and I hope um, you will share and spread it through Facebook to your friends. 
This is the latest tourism campaign launched by the Philippines Department of Tourism to attract Taiwanese tourists to the Philippines. Two mobile trucks will roam around Taipei, stopping at several locations, including the Xinyi branch of Elite Bookstore, the Songsang Cultural and Creative Park, and Pop-Up Taipei. From June 8th till June 21st, the fruit trucks will serve 1,400 meals. There will also be free drinks available. At the food truck stand, consumers can also scan a QR code to fill out a form and enter a lottery to win a trip to the Philippines with paid airfare and accommodations. We have so many activities lined up. Um, one is this one. Uh, we are making the food as a marketing enabler for, uh, for our, as, as our promotion. And we are also doing, we are planning to do some familiarization tours to the Philippines as what we have done before. We, are, uh, we will be doing more uh, promotion, free advertisement, we'll be coming up more press releases because what we need is to instill the confidence of the market back to the Philippines. According to statistics from the Philippines Department of Tourism, in 2019, Taiwan ranked in the top five for countries with the highest number of travelers to the Philippines, with a total of 327,273 Taiwanese visitors to the country that year. This was 35.01% higher compared to the previous year. The Philippines has reopened its border to all fully vaccinated travelers from across the globe since April 1, 2022. Beginning uh, April 1, uh, the Philippine government removed all our uh, uh, quarantine requirements for all foreigners arriving in the Philippines uh, who are fully vaccinated. And uh, on May 30, uh, we are also no longer requiring the uh, RT-PCR or rapid antigen test, meaning you can arrive in the Philippines even if you had not had a, uh, a test. Usually we promote the, the Philippine islands as uh, beautiful destinations. Um, however, this time we also want to promote the culinary arts of the Philippines because we believe that food in the Philippines is a great attraction. Apart from the Philippines' beautiful islands and tourist attractions, the country is also known for delicious cuisine. With borders opened in the Philippines, the Philippines Department of Tourism is finding innovative ways to attract foreign tourists back to the country. FTV reporters Stephanie Yang and Lee Han in Taipei. Yet another European delegation is paying a visit to Taiwan, this time Lithuania's Vice Minister of Economy and Innovation is leading a 10-member delegation which landed in Taiwan Sunday. It is the first time for a top Lithuanian official to make a public visit since Taiwan opened up a representative office in Vilnius last November. Her delegation includes representatives from the Baltic nation's tech sector. They plan to visit various government agencies to deepen trade and economic cooperation, reflecting the increasingly closer ties between the two nations. The Internet era has changed not just how people interact with each other, but how nations conduct foreign relations. More and more nations are using tools like messaging apps and social media to represent themselves politically. This approach, called digital diplomacy, is especially important for countries like Taiwan, which faces many limits in conventional diplomacy. Today, in our Sunday special report, we see how Taiwan is trying to use the Internet to expand its international space.
。今天天气超好的，我觉得等一下人潮应该会超级多的。The hot midday sun is high in the sky as a Guatemalan food truck makes its way to the port city of Kaohsiung in southern Taiwan. 其实大家看到我们的车都很好奇，哎，瓜地马拉。Everybody is very curious when they see our food truck. They say Guatemala, what's that? So we explain to them that it's one of Taiwan's diplomatic allies in Central America. In April 2022, Taiwan's three diplomatic allies in Central America, Belize, Guatemala, and Honduras, embarked on a two-month food truck tour with 70 stops around Taiwan. The trucks dished up authentic eats and souvenirs to promote culture, tourism, and cuisine to the public. In Guatemala, if and you want to spend some time with your friends, the dish that you usually uh, choose it's a shuko. It's our version of uh, the hot dog. This is this is not like the most fancy food, but this is the friendship food for us. The trucks offered free food and gifts to locals. They also provided an opportunity for the Guatemalan embassy in Taiwan to promote its social media accounts. In the past, embassies looking to promote themselves in their host country had to do so through diplomatic events or traditional media outlets. But in the era of smartphones, this approach is not the only way to conduct PR. Social media platforms such as Facebook and Instagram, which users check daily, have become a valuable promotional tool. Right now, it's a, a digital world. You know, their relationship right now must include the offline and the online activities, and we are trying to promote both. Together, Slava Ukraini! Following Russia's invasion of Ukraine, Ukrainian expats held demonstrations at Taipei's Liberty Square to urge the international community to help their country. Before the war, these Ukrainians living in all corners of Taiwan did not know each other. They were brought together through Twitter. You know, on the first day of the war, I was out there uh, on the corner. Uh, protesting in front of the Moscow Trade Office, I uh, took a picture of myself. I put it on Twitter. That first day, a few more people came, uh, and then next day, other people had the same idea too. Other people saw my tweet. Next day, there were 50 people. On Saturday, there were hundreds, a couple hundred people there, and a bunch of media. So that's how it started. That's how I met a lot of the other people who kept coming. Taiwan Digital Diplomacy Association President Guo Jiayou was at the protest conducting interviews. She saw for herself the workings of digital diplomacy and how online connections could turn into action offline. The government, Ukraine, and internet users have been making a great effort online. They're constantly reaching out to people outside Ukraine and explaining what kind of help and support they need. This is a kind of digital diplomacy. Guo was born in 1991. While working with a non-profit organization in Kosovo, she saw that locals were using the internet to ask airlines to list Kosovo as its own territory. 
that gave her the idea to found the Taiwan Digital Diplomacy Association. There are more than 60 representative offices and embassies in Taiwan. We often talk with them about how they can promote their nation's issues to Taiwan's public. The association helps foreign institutions in Taiwan with their promotional campaigns. It also starts discussions about Taiwan on Twitter. One of its projects is the World Cup Taiwan, a soccer tournament and cultural festival that captured headlines in Latin American countries. In April 2021, the association led a group of diplomats from 20 countries in participating in the Daja Mazu pilgrimage. During the trip, there were many people greeting them and giving them water, light sticks or towels. It helped them feel closer to the people of Taiwan. In the past, foreign offices promoted their countries through traditional media and other modes of one-way communication. These days, social media allows them to have a back and forth with the public. However, due to the virtual nature of these interactions, many wonder if they're really having an impact on diplomacy. Amid Chinese oppression, Taiwan faces big challenges on the international stage. Taiwan officials say that it's not easy shifting global views on Taiwan purely on the strength of people-to-people -people exchanges. Before the Russia-Ukraine war broke out, Ukraine had long been more pro-China. So say that the war ends tomorrow. Will Zelensky go and establish official ties with Taiwan? That's not going to happen. But even if Ukraine doesn't become a formal ally, it can still expand its relations with Taiwan. Of course, I'm happy to see Taiwanese society and Taiwanese individuals lending a helping hand to Ukraine with material donations and so on. I think that over the long run, that will be helpful. Perhaps not toward establishing formal relations, but toward opening a representative office. Some countries might start discussing whether they'd rather stand with China or with Taiwan. When that discussion starts up, what might influence public opinion is digital diplomacy. That's something we can do online. Taiwan's Ministry of Foreign Affairs does not have a department dedicated to digital diplomacy. In the past, it's launched a number of large-scale online events, but the effects were short-lived. Taiwan's digital diplomacy is limited to one-off events or specific projects. For example, two years ago, we promoted Taiwan's participation in the World Health Assembly. We bought a full-page ad in the New York Times. That was an interesting experiment for us. But usually, when dealing with the high-profile issues, big cases like Taiwan's participation in global bodies, you can see that our social media campaigns are basically the same year after year. Major political figures around the world use Twitter to weigh in on current affairs. But the social media platform is not commonly used in Taiwan, putting Taiwan at a disadvantage in the world of online diplomacy. Even on Facebook pages managed by the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, most of the people engaging with the content are people associated with Taiwan and not the global public.
，似乎在比方说这个部内粉砖的赞数或分享上。For instance, judging from the number of likes and shares among people in the ministry, posts might seem to be very effective. But you have to consider if the audience for Mofa's pages is made up mostly of Taiwanese. If only the domestic audience is seeing the content, aren't we missing the whole point of online diplomacy? 我那天我拍到一个乌克兰女生在致辞的照片，我觉得那张可以拿出来用。One local NGO decided to take matters into its own hands. Whatever international event we'd like to attend, if it's being held in person, it's very likely that we will be blocked. However, there are no borders between countries on the internet. The internet is very vast, so it's not easy to suppress Taiwan on the web. In the virtual world, there are no borders, and China has limited access to Twitter, Facebook, and other social media platforms. The association's director says the internet offers a wealth of opportunity for Taiwan to further its diplomatic interests. She says that anyone can help Taiwan's cause as long as they can type. If you read news from abroad or see a post, you can leave a comment. If you aren't too confident using English, it's okay. You can just use Google Translate and paste the translation. You can express your opinion as a Taiwanese. I think that's one way to let Taiwan's voice be heard. Although it's easy to count the number of likes and shares, it's hard to measure the impact of an online post on the world. But experts say that Taiwan, which is disadvantaged on so many fronts, has no choice but to get creative and to integrate its resources in the public and private sectors. Through the power of digital diplomacy, Taiwan may be able to open new doors to the international community.